Alright, and we are live. Damien, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. Unf- uh, yet another funny day in the Magento <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny day. Unfortunately, we don't have video for you, but um, we trust that you are uh, looking well uh, today. <laughs> we ran into some... Oh, I think I'm looking fine. I think you're looking fantastic. I, I don't know for sure, but I... I I'm sure. I'm certain. I can't see it, but I believe by faith that you're looking great. Um, I believe that some people would swipe right. I, I believe that. I believe that a significant portion of the dating market would swipe right quick, <laughs> nice, fastly, and furiously. Um, but uh, but that's not that's not what we're talking about today. Because um, what are what are we talking about today, man? There's a lot going on with. Um, with um uh, obviously magento with the with the with the uh, the fork i was going to say the flag <laughs> with the with the fork the which is not necessarily a fork pitchforks. the pitchforks uh the russian hackers um and you know maybe just generally catch up with what you've been up to but uh um i read um the the post that you wrote um on the lol tweet um which when I first read the lol, I thought Max was making fun of um, the fork at first. And I was oh, yeah. like, oh, what, why is he making fun of the fork like that? That's, that's not cool because I'm generally pro fork. Um, but then I, then, I, then I reread it and understood he was actually sort of making fun of Adobe's response, <laughs> which was kind of savage i thought a little bit um, yeah it was it was in, it was indeed savage i uh <laughs> i got a good kick out of it when i read it so um anyway what let's dive in man what what are your thoughts on the whole situation it's, it's uh did you get a chance to watch cuz i didn't um but the um they're having a conference in poland right now they're they've been talking about it there's task force task forces there's a task force. That's a hard word to say for some reason. That that's been created. There's stuff going on. There was a panel. I, I didn't catch it all. Um, but did you get a chance to see any of that? Yeah, I watched through. I think the first hour and so, like hour and ten, hour and fifteen minutes. I didn't really catch the tail end of it, but I did watch it. Um, the uh, you know, the Meet Magento Poland group it was uh, some people from Typo3, some people from uh, the Magento Association, and then obviously Vinay and Willem. Um I think, well, I have a strong opinion on the Magento Association. And in terms of to fork or not to fork, you know, I, I believe, I don't, my personal opinion is I don't think forking is the correct answer. Um, but I think we'll get to that explanation. Uh, well, it depends. Do you want to talk about the Magento Association, the fork first, I guess? Let's talk about the fork. Let's get the forking okay. dis- discussion of the fork out of the way. Sure. I, I think, um, so, I, you know, Graycore and our team serves, I think, a different cross-section of the Magento ecosystem than I think um, Vinay and Willem do. Whova is a very, very awesome front-end if you are doing monolithic front end, right? Right. It's 
there's no why would you why would you pick luma <laughs> like right. it's just a mistake the license fee isn't high enough and the, even you know you're going to you're going to save tens to hundreds of hours up front just by picking Hoover, you're going to, and your, your cost is going to be insane or your, your, your cost reduction is going to be crazy in comparison. Right. So there's no reason not to do Hoover. Um, but I see a different niche of the Magento ecosystem. We tend to work with larger merchants that are doing bigger things. They have, you know, it's not just one Magento front end. We have uh, several clients that have 15 individual store views, each one with a different front end. Uh, and they have big problems, right? The problem set that they have is very different than the problem set that a small, medium, or an SMB merchant would have. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is that uh, the fork is, is bad because it fragments the ecosystem. But at the same time, I think the fork is it has got some positives because it shines a light on what has now been a long you know underserved portion of the community um and i say long underserved because there was a point in time where that was the only community like small merchants in magento was the origin of magento it wasn't just big enterprises right um and i i think the fork is is good because it shines a light on the problem i think the concept of actually keeping a fork is, is not necessarily the right decision that being said um, if the fork really goes through and it's done well, um, I think it's I think it's a powerful thing, and I, I would hope that um, you know Adobe backs it because you know I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. It's your I mean you can maybe call it something other than Magento, but Adobe open source commerce I don't know whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but I would I would hope that they would back it and support it. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but I don't necessarily think upfront it's the, the best decision. Yeah, I mean, and I think they, you know, they've said themselves that it's not necessarily going to be a fork. It's like there's a couple um, ways that this could play out. I mean, it sounds to me like basically, you know, there's a lot of people that that like the monolith. It works for them. Um, and uh, whose article was? It? Oh, I read Mark Schust's, um uh, article on it and and he references um and uh a post by uh signal versus noise by the basecamp guys by dhh on the majestic monolith so i'm gonna i'm gonna use that term mm -hmm. the majestic magento monolith um yeah i get it and and so they they it, you know there's a huge user base for it um they they want you know some way to maintain that maybe that's ideally under the official maybe that maybe that's under you know maybe that's the primary magento open source project that doesn't have to be a fork though i feel like what's happening is that you know the magento community is um is sort of saying hey we've been telling you guys forever that you know there's there's issues whether that's things not getting merged I mean, um, into, you know, into GitHub problems, not getting resolved, um, you know, or this move to microservices or whatever it is. And it's just like, they're kind of like, Hey, we're just going to do this ourselves. <laughs> like we're kind of like, I don't know what the deal is with the association. Obviously I have friends that are on the association. I don't want to like be overly critical at the same time. It feels to me like 
basically, and, and I don't know, and I'm not privy to any of the internal machinations, um, but my assumption is just that they're essentially sort of just waiting for approvals from Adobe. Like maybe that, you know, like, I don't know, like they, they, maybe they ask for something and then they just wait for an approval. <laughs> and like, that, you know, in some ways the community has been waiting for things to kind of get better for years now. And they're just like, all right, we're kind of just done, you know, done waiting. And I, 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 I like that. I think that I look at what, what, um, uh, Willem did with Hoova and, you know, he basically took a chunk of Magento, right? Just the, not, it, you know, it doesn't solve every problem for everybody. He, he took the front end, um, for certain use cases, which I'd say is a relatively broad set of use cases. He reimagined it as a single dude, you know, more or less as a single guy. And he's building out a team and, and stuff. And he built out something that people love to work with. Like I, I like at first I thought it was just a fun little project of his. And then I'm hearing from people in the wild going like, oh man, I'm actually enjoying development again. You know, I'm enjoying my day job again. And I, and and when I talk to him, just the amount of excitement and energy he has around really, you know, um, uh, you know, giving Magento kind of like a, a, a like a, a lifetime beyond just a, you know, um, making it sort of um, fun and to work with and, and, and stuff like that. I, I think that, you know, if they want to attack the rest of other, other aspects of it, right. The rest of the monolith and stuff like that. I just think, I just feel like they, they can pull that off, you know? Uh, that's a really loaded answer. Um, because there's so much difference between splitting out a front end. Right in the way that, that, that it's been done and tackling the monolith because the monolith is, it is exactly what it is. It's immense. It's, it is a massive project that has so many facets and has had hundreds, if not thousands of developers, each with different experiences, putting work into it that I, I struggle to imagine what that might look like if it was just like just villain. Like I know everyone, a couple have been, a couple of people in the community have been saying like villain for God King. Um, <laughs> BDFL. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I, you know, I, even though I self, I, I say that I myself am the BDFL of Daffodil. Um, it's not the same thing. They're different things. Uh, the market size of Magento is immense comparatively. Um, so they're they're very different things. I serve a much smaller use use case, and and that would be huge, a massive undertaking. Now, that being said, I want to kind of speak back to something you mentioned about just the general community feel um, with waiting for approval. Then uh, I mentioned it this morning about how if you know. <laughs> it was somewhat kind of hinted at that we could remove our shackles and get back to work. Um, and we can spend a significant amount of time doing engineering and development and less time worrying about, I don't even, I don't even know what those approvals are waiting on, but I'd imagine it's some business use cases that have to be validated and tested and verified. Right. Um, and that slows everything down. And, you know, Vinay's like, we can do things in a much shorter period of time and as evidence, Hoover, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
so I think just to, to kind of bring those two concepts back together, if if someone tries to attempt the monolith or attempt to maintain the monolith in the way the way that's that I think we all kind of experience open source, which is, oh, I submit a PR and a couple of days from then I get a review and then it maybe gets merged or I get some comments and then, uh, you know, it all gets done in the span of two weeks. I don't think that's realistic. I don't, like, you know, if you consider, if you consider Kubernetes or if you consider Angular or Linux kernel, all these things take time. You're not going to get short merges, right? You There's a whole process in place. Now, Linux is a little bit different because it doesn't use the same kinds of workflows. It does patches over email and things. Um, but I think I think it's an undertaking that I don't necessarily think that uh, we even have, we, the open source community, have an understanding of the scale of it. Like it, it's, it's massive. Yeah, no, that's a fair, that's a fair critique. I mean, it, and it is, a, it is a leap, right? To go from like some greenfield development on a new front end framework um, to that has, you know, had some success to saying like, oh yeah, like let's tackle the entire Magento project along a similar vein. Um, that's, 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 it is a leap for sure. But, and, and you know, there's no guarantees this is going to work out. I mean, it's, um, it's entirely possible that it, it 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 wouldn't work at all, and nobody can tell the future. But I I just um, I don't know. I mean, an analogy, and this is not a, this is not a perfect analogy either. But I remember back when I was in house with a uh, uh, as a developer with a merchant, and we were on enterprise. And I just talked to someone just the other day who was in a very similar situation in house with a merchant that's on enterprise, and who essentially gets zero support from. Um, you know, customer support on enterprise and, and, and they, um, you know, you, I remember like I filed a ticket and at the same time I posted a question to stack overflow. I just did them both at the same time to see what would happen. And the stack overflow like question was answered within like 24 minutes <laughs> and, and the enterprise ticket was responded to like three days later with like, you know, like a not very thorough response kind of thing. So, um, Again, not not a perfect analogy, but I I really, I don't know. I just believe that uh, that it 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 can be possible for the community to really run this. I think, um, I think back sort of before, I don't know when, but like back in the day, like you know, the community would build out extensions for all sorts of things and solve all sorts of problems and stuff like that. And th you know, this was before Magento was even on GitHub properly and it's sort of just the community kind of self managed a lot of stuff and did a lot of cool stuff and um you know and then we sort of thought that everything was going to be great once it was on github and and then and, and a lot of things i think they did were really smart like the incentive program for solutions partners to contribute but then i but then it, it's weird it's it's almost like even though i think that they did that in the right spirit and it t it seemed like a really smart thing to me to do it kind of went a weird direction where like people were just contributing so that they could be at the top of the leaderboards and things like that and it and it it um i don't know it, it seems like it did something weird to what was previously kind of a, a, a pure contribution model in some sense um and so I don't know, like you could, you could be completely right 
that this is way too much to bite off and that response times and merge times might get much worse. But I'm just kind of like, hey, man, let's see where this thing goes. You know, I, I and oh, yeah, you know, and I don't have that much skin in the game personally. So that should be taken with a grain of salt. But I think a lot of people that, um, you know, that are working on this do have a lot of skin in the game in terms of clients they're working with and things like that. And you definitely fall into that category. Um, so it'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, I definitely think it's possible, but, uh, I can say for a fact, the management structure of it is going to be vastly different than what exists today with, with Adobe, where, I don't know if you've had, when was like the last time you submitted a PR? Oh my gosh. It's, Magento. it's been a very long time. <laughs> it's been a very, okay. very long time. Yeah. So in, in my, um, in my article that I, I, you know, kind of hinted at to, uh, to Igor, um, I point out that PR wait times are immense. They're just crazy. I have several GitHub issues. They're not PRs, just issues, uh, where, and there's, I'll give an example of a, of a PR as well, uh, where I submit it and they have installed like a issue tracker bot. And the issue tracker bot will just close my issue after 90 days with no response. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll submit an issue that I can, I can actually like reference the line of code and say, here's the issue. This is what needs to be changed. Please change right. for these reasons. Closing because, you know, closing for inactivity. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do with that? Right. And, and, and there are examples of PR. No, they don't do that to PRs, but they do do it to GitHub issues. Um, and for, for my PRs, I've had PRs, I think that are out for, I don't know, a year and a half now it's abs- it's where just, no one has looked at it's them. It's just absurd. Like it's, yeah. So I think the management structure today, as I kind of understand it, is that there are several different teams and the teams triage, you know, as they can, but their main prerogative is not to triage. Their main prerogative is to do their work and then triage as they can. Um, I think we're going to need to see something more, the, the structure of the, of this forecast to be more about code ownership, where you have individual code owners of particular, you know, particular subfolders and code owner can sign off on their own code and they can sign off on targets to those folders and they can merge stuff faster but you don't need like vellum doesn't have to merge and approve every single pr right you can have people who have a specialty in one specific like you know i have a couple of prs that are targeted solely to uh rabbitmq right that's kind of something that i spent earlier last year making some improvements on Mm -hmm. uh, for some of my clients i could probably review that code like, I don't, I don't know right. if, if Willem even knows how the RabbitMQ stuff works, right. but that would be something that I could review. And maybe we could have like code owners that say, okay, well, this folder is reviewable by these people. And it's like maybe a set totally. of 50 people. Totally. Um, and that would broaden the ability for review uh, beyond arbitrarily waiting for someone at Magento to review it and hoping that it could get merged. Totally. Now the, the problem with that is is in the fact that you know magento has like an architecture repository and i'm subscribed to it and i get notifications whenever someone submits a pr or an issue mm-hmm. um, that is there to prevent poor decision making right because you can very easily you know have a bunch of code owners sign off on a pr 
and say, okay, we think this looks good, but not understand the broader ramifications to other aspects of the framework. Um, and, and you have to try and prevent those. So the architecture repo is designed to try and get some early, especially if you have to make a fairly large change, to get some early uh, reviewer understanding, um, right. as opposed to just submitting a PR and kind of hoping for the best and maybe, okay, the test pass, hooray. Right. That doesn't mean necessarily that it's best in the best interest of the system as a whole. Right. Um, right. So I, yeah, I think to, to kind of summarize, I think uh, if if they're going to succeed, they're going to, they're going to need to have a vastly different managerial structure for code review and architecture review and maintenance than exists today. Right. And Adobe, even if Adobe wanted to do it, whichever party, you know, Vinay and Villem or Adobe, one of them has. I mean, it's going to have to change in both cases. Right. For yeah. it to succeed. Yeah. I mean, and I I think that like it it, it comes back to ownership so much, and I, like I know they're tremendously talented and smart devs and architects on the Adobe side that goes without saying, but I just think that there it's an incentive structure thing, right? When, you know, you, when you aren't the person that is going to be impacted by that, um, uh, PR issue that's sitting there 90 days or a year. Um, and, and, and your internal incentives are X, Y, and Z based on whatever the corporate incentives are for you to get a raise or get whatever, you know, you're going to pay attention to those. Um, and whereas like, I'm a, I'm a big believer in what a single person can do. A small team can do when they know what they're doing. They care about the, the thing that they're working on and they have that sense of ownership. That's what I see in people like you. I mean, you've, you have Daffodil is your, you know, open source project that you run. Um, I think about what, you know, Willem has done. Um, and, uh, with, with Hoover on a smaller scale and, and tons of people, right. That like, there's something that they care about and it's part of their day-to-day -day work and they just, you know, they, they get it done, you know, like you can get a lot done as a small team. Um, if you are kind of, uh, like things are structured in the right way, you get stuff done, right. You keep it simple. Um, you keep things moving. You got the right people in the right places, um, and then it's like mythical man month, right? You could have a hundred, you know, great developers, but if they're in some kind of a weird structure that isn't prioritizing the stuff that needs to get prioritized, then, you know, you could just have, you know, really, uh, you know, kind of a really unproductive system overall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, it's completely true. You mythical man month definitely applies here. You know, there is so much inefficiency in corporate structure um that i i'm i'm surprised anything from the community gets merged to be honest uh, or and and then the, the, the sad thing is i'm going to take that one step back and say um i'm surprised anything that goes beyond the boundary of solution partner developer gets merged because they have an incentive, right? They're, they're, they even have, there's probably contractual obligation in place to say, hey, solution partners, contributed PRs, you have to review them. Otherwise, you know, we have some kind of contractual obligation. But if, you know, random open source dev, a great case is like if Ivan submits a PR and Ivan's PR is fantastic, I doubt it's going to get reviewed. Right. Right. It's just, it's just not. Right. Um, because there's no incentive to do so. Right, and that's I, you. You made a really good comment with the concept of like the solution partner incentive program. 
Um, if anything, that makes me feel as an open source dev less inclined to contribute because there are people who I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if there's any other incentives to the actual partner organization um, or if they get like any special credits or things mm -hmm. for, for submitting PRs. Mm -hmm. But I'd imagine there's probably something. Um, as an open source dev, I do the same thing to no to no result. So now you have you've you now split the class of developers into two: people who get kickbacks and people who don't. Right. And the people who don't, I wonder, wait, why am I not getting kickbacks? Like, what am I doing? Right. That's not right. I'm doing the same kind of work. It's just really strange because I swear I thought that the the contribution program was brilliant. I thought it made a lot of sense, and then I saw people you know co companies that i knew and respected that were just diving in and throwing resources into the program and go going up the leaderboards and i was like this is amazing but then as i talked to some of them it just it seemed like and i can't remember the details but i did some interviews with some of them and it was like you know it was like they were doing this contribution sort of trying to get certain goals or accomplishments or whatever incentives and then it sort of just at some point was like, ah, this doesn't make sense. Or we're just going to focus elsewhere. Um, which just seemed, um, seemed kind of strange to me. And, and like prior to all those incentive programs, like everybody just kind of contributed, everybody, everybody built out their own little modules and then they would, you know, gain in popularity if they were useful. And then everybody would like give them props cause they built the thing, you know, and it was just great. Like, um, and at the time we all wanted everything to be in GitHub. So all our contributions could go to one place, but you know, then we got that and then it's like, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's not quite it. Um, yeah, I think the interesting thing for me about Magento versus the other open source projects that I contribute to is that I, I think Magento is pseudo open source, mm, right? Mm -hmm. The decisions don't happen behind in, in transparent environments the decision happened behind closed doors and then you are either privy to that information because you have a contact at adobe right. or you happen to know somebody who knows somebody right. or uh you're left in the dark until release day right or you you happen to go if you're you know, a really really proficient developer you're looking at every single pr that gets merged to understand what's happening when where and why and by whom um and that's hard right you have to you, that's a full-time day job like if you want if the, if someone wanted to uh be the town crier for magento and say hey pr was merged these are the ramifications uh that that doesn't exist and that would be a full-time day job right. uh but yeah, it, it feels it feels like a Magento as a as a framework is open source only in name, but not in actuality. Yeah. And if I compare that to Angular, uh, Angular is somewhat similar um, because a lot of that stuff happens behind behind closed doors at Google. But they at least have RFC periods, which are really 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 pronounced like they say they make a big deal about it they post it on everywhere and everyone knows about it and people comment about things like a really great example is um and i don't want to dive too far off of magento uh but angular about last year or the year prior uh changed their underlying renderer right the thing that mm -hmm. uh, takes your component and turns it into html mm -hmm. um that went from v2 to v3 which, if not done correctly, would have been a Magento 1 to Magento 2-like problem. Mm. Um, 
but they spent four years working on it and had tons and tons and tons of RFCs and talked to a whole bunch of people in the community, had people beta test the, the versions of, of uh, the new render, mm. and it went smoothly. Compare that to... Uh, well, I'm gonna, I can reference Magento 1 to Magento 2. I know there was a beta for Magento 2, but I didn't know about it until Magento 2.1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there, as I said, it's they're both both frameworks, Angular and Magento, for me are um, partially or open. Not, they're both open source, but one is more open source than the other. Uh, and then if you if you kind of compare this to like Kubernetes, this is another Google thing. Um, similar kind of thing that's it's technically now has a completely um open source steering committee it's completely different uh, than when it was originally at google but after it became open source it, you know they put this whole infrastructure in place to steer it in an open source capacity that's just not true with magento whatsoever there's no steering committee you're i would <laughs> i think i made the commentary in my article that the magento association is a, is a wet noodle um <laughs> of an organization uh, they're not the steering committee. Yeah, you know, Igor. Igor is the steering committee. Igor and the architects at Adobe are the steering committee, right. and they make the big decisions. Right. But they make the decisions outside of the scope of the open source community without any consideration to anybody else. Right. And that's that's the difference. And and I don't I don't know. I think um, a lot of people have been like, what, what's the Magenta Association going to do? Is it doing events? Is it I think events were a big component of it? it you know, is it is it going to take over open source? I think that's been kind of a persistent question. And obviously I have a lot of friends that are on the association and I, you know, I, I don't, I feel, um, bad being critical. I mean, you called it a wet noodle, (laughs) but I, I, well, I don't feel like that's too critical. Yeah. Well, and and I guess it, 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 it sort of depends from, um, what the expectation is, right? Like if, if the expectation is that, it's a, it's an organization that's doing events, um, then it, that, you know, uh, probably wouldn't be reasonable to criticize them for the code level stuff. Right. But, but the question is, I mean, this is an open source project and like you like there should be some kind of governance of that, right? Like, like, like what is the thing that owns open source? And I think, if, yeah. if the expectation is that it should be the Magento Association, which I think can is a reasonable sort of point of view, then yeah, then you know, then you're right because then it's like, well, um, I, I assume, and again, I don't know any of this, but I just assume that maybe they've asked, like, hey, like, what, what's going on with all these issues and all these wait times and all these complaints by the community, and I'm assuming Adobe was like, well. We'll see what we can do. We'll try to fix it. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of just been in this sort of this weird state of like purgatory, you know, where it's like, well, what's going to happen? Is anything going to happen? And then it's just finally like people are just like, you know, uprising, you know, <laughs> it's just like, we're just, yeah, gonna, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, it's a frustrating situation because, you know, when I heard about the Magento Association, my very first inclination was like, this is great, right? right? I, as a Magento One dev, I didn't really feel a connection to the Magento community. You know, obviously I would go on Stack Overflow or I was part of IRC and that's kind of like where my boundary and entry to the Magento community stopped. Mm-hmm. With Magento 2, uh, you know, the Slack channel 
for me has been a godsend because I am super active in the community engineering Slack. I respond to basically everybody that I see that I think has a legitimate question. Mm -hmm. Not to say that I don't respond to illegitimate questions, but there are times when I just don't have the bandwidth. Um, and I didn't do that previously. Mm -hmm. um, so when the Magento Association became kind of more known about and became this thing that the Adobe's going to try and put forward, I was like, okay, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be people who I can uh, talk to and be engaged with, and they will maybe help navigate uh, or help, you know, direct the open source community in a more kind of coordinated manner. Right. Um, didn't didn't get that at all. I got nothing from that. Like I, as I said the, in my article, the only thing that I found was an email from time to time notifying that me that, that there were some events. Right. And. I did see that there's this, there's, you know, they, they're saying that the, we're putting together this open source task force. Cool. What's it, what's it do? What is a task Like, force? tell me, like, yeah. like, you don't tell me anything about what you're doing. Yeah. Like, are you trying to decide what features to put together? Or is this a meeting to have a meeting? Uh, yeah. Are I, you... Yeah. I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in anything that's referred to as a task force generally speaking like and and i yeah i was i was again i was again hesitant to be critical but i saw yissy just posted a, a, an article and he um uh he said some similar things about the task force i mean i i kind of just I, like i get excited when i see people doing stuff at the end of the day mm -hmm. it's sort of what it comes down to um, now, you know, can you, you know, yeah, I mean, it's good to have organization and management and stuff like that too. But personally, when I, if I see somebody build something, you know, um, that's, that's what I like to see, right? When you're talking about nuts and bolts about, Hey, listen, I can help out with message queue stuff. I know that part of the system, like send me stuff. I will handle it. I'll review it. Right. Like that's the, like, th that's the kind of stuff. I like to I like to see actual stuff get done, um, and you know I'm just kind of a little bit biased in that direction. So when I see Hoover been getting built out, um, when I see you know people just actually doing stuff, that's kind of you know, I'm, I'm saying the same thing over and over. But you get, you get you kinda, I no I get, get it I get idea. it. There's a difference. There's a difference between just kind of talk and action yeah right and then i spoke to this precisely he said this is the, this is i want to do something i need you know i want there's so much energy in the community i wrote a like we wrote a letter and all of a sudden there's all this 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 magento energy yeah. filled the room right. it filled the vacancy <laughs> right. uh, so then i described it as a magento sized hole right. in right. in the ecosystem uh and he's he's perfectly correct like there is tons of tons and tons of great energy like the fact that, to me at least, the fact that Yissa isn't on the Magento Association um, blows my mind. Mm -hmm. The fact that you or Phil um, <laughs> aren't on the Magento Association blows my mind because these are the people that the community is aware of. Like right. I, You said that you have some friends on the association. Personally, as an open source dev, I have never seen or met a single one of them. Right. Uh, well, not to say that they're not good people. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, like, for example, I, th I, I saw Danny Riccati. Um, I think he's out in Poland and I think he, he, he talked about some things and is part of the task force. I mean, he's a guy that um, has built out an agency. I mean, he's a guy that gets stuff done. 
um, and uh, Slava, you know, with Atwix, built out a tremendous uh, agency. Um, but but I think that I, I don't. Um, I think that it's just the association. Um, it's like Guido was on the association, right? He just recently stepped down, and he's also a guy that gets stuff done. I mean, he launched the the biggest Magento community in the world in the Netherlands early days, and and done a bunch of other stuff. But it, I, I don't, and I don't know what is going on in the association. And also, I have not responded to all of the requests for different things. Or I, I always feel guilty, like I should be somehow doing more. But I don't know what is going on in the association. I assume that they're generally just kind of doing the best they can, wanting to contribute, doing more than I'm doing in terms of they're in the association. But I assume they're probably just waiting for Adobe's approval on different things, you know, and probably just kind of there's not a whole lot they can do, I assume. Um, that's 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 not a problem that I was aware of i guess i assumed they operated to some degree independently um but in the event they are somewhat hamstringed by adobe i can imagine that that would be tremendously frustrating um and i believe Slava this morning said you know we're all just people please don't hate us or something to that right <laughs> um and and that's absolutely true like everyone is human um, but the expectations that we have are high, right? Because in right. many instances, people's businesses depend upon these things, right? And and if Magento goes a certain route, and this is very apparent to me that Whova needs Magento. Magento does not necessarily need Whova. So it is, it is in Willem and Vinay's best interest to make sure the monolith remains. Now, that's a very single-sided point of view it also has other ramifications but it's clear to me that it has to exist they're doing this because that protects their livelihood and that's a perfectly reasonable reason to do something right, right? It, it makes great sense um but at the same time and maybe this is the crux of the problem with the association if they're hamstrung and they can't do anything what does the community do like maybe and this is the point of the fork we're just going to do it ourselves. We have to do it ourselves. There's no other option. I think so. I mean, to me, that's to me, that's what it's it's all about. Is just um, just the community going, hey, we're going to do this ourselves, whatever that looks like. You know, in an ideal world, the association gets formal ownership over um, the code base, right? And it and there's an independent organization that actually runs the code base. Is that the case now? I don't think so. I mean, I know people have asked, like, is the association going to own the open source code base? I know that question has been asked. I, I don't know there's been an answer. I feel like people have said something to the effect of, like, maybe. And I feel like that's probably one of the things that maybe they've just been waiting for. I'm just guessing. I could be completely wrong about this. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be cool if, if that could happen. And then the association could have some like real stuff to do, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, however, however that happens, there's gotta be a tremendous amount of funding for it. Because if, if you're going to run Magento full time, that's not, that's not a, like a thing you do volunteer. That's a thing that's a full time job. And much like Evan, Yu has to maintain Vue.js and he gets donations and they support him. Mm -hmm. That has to happen. 
And the, the the weird the weird e-commerce is a weird world because uh, I am fully conscious of the fact that people are making tremendous amounts of money off of my code. Right. And am I compensated equivalently to the benefit that I provide? Not necessarily. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so I'm I'm very surprised, just generally speaking, that e-commerce does not have a higher donation ratio mm-hmm. um, than other like other communities. I, I my only two sponsors on GitHub are people who I have helped in the community who are individual developers working for companies. They could not persuade their company to to sponsor me, mm-hmm. so they because of the the sheer amount of help that I provided, they sponsored me themselves. Wow. Um, so I think, however, however it happens, um, Magento is going to this fork is going to need funding. The association is going to need funding in order to run this well. Yeah, and that's I, this. This is kind of like why like the Linux Foundation exists. It's why the the Cloud Native Computing Foundation exists. They there's there's got to be capital to run the projects. Yeah, because uh, they're hard to run. Yeah. Did you? What did they say today during the meeting? Did you? Other than the task force, is, was there anything concrete? Um, there were some things. Uh, there were some very funny gotchas. Uh, like the the typo three guys were uh, rather clever. They had some witty comebacks. Um, okay. So uh, I I'm I I'm not gonna. I much prefer people go watch it uh, than me try to repeat it. But I'll I'll give my best attempt to come up with like the witty comebacks that they did. Um, there were a couple instances where the Magento Association folks were talking about something. And um, one of the guys from Typo 3 said something to the effect of, um, do you think Magento would be where it is today without open source? Like, do you think if Magento started as a, as a company that you had to pay a $10,000 license for, that Adobe would have bought it for however much it was purchased for. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer from even the Magento Association folks was a clear and resounding no, not a chance. Mm-hmm. No one no one would buy Magento because it would, maybe maybe there would be like five clients, mm-hmm. right? There, there would have been five clients. Maybe after several hundred years, we'd get up to like a thousand clients <laughs> and that's kind of where it would stop. Um, but open source was a, was a platform for growth, right? It was, a, it was an opportunity. It was a decision that was made um, that ended up being a brilliant one. So um, that led into some further discussions about like where Adobe, one of the things that comes was skirted around a lot was what's Adobe's, what's Adobe going to do with the open source framework? Mm-hmm. Like what's the roadmap? Mm-hmm. There was never an answer given. And that was the thing that was kind of like hinted at several times. Um, Vinay was was very energetic, and I think I've mentioned several times that uh you know what kind of his his intents were. He was trying to basically say, now is the time for action. Um, totally. You know, we we have a ton of energy in the community. Uh, a lot of this has been extraordinarily positive. It's not like people have just been flaming Adobe. There has been some of that, and we're trying to keep it to a minimum. Right. I think generally speaking in the community, we're all we are all passionate. Um, sometimes overly outspoken individuals, and I think uh, I think he's trying to calm some of us down. Um, right. But I I think it it was mostly a generally positive conversation where where basically they said we'd like to work together, but at the same time it was a lot of nothing. Right. It was just a lot of 
words. See, that wasn't was, a lot of like this is the next. That step. was my that was my assumption that it was that it that was sort of what it was going to be. Um, and I had you know I didn't I didn't listen to the whole thing, but um, kind of confirms what I suspected. Um, I think like the thing you mentioned where they they wanted to know the roadmap. And there wasn't really any response from Adobe. That just feels like that's been, again, that just this waiting, this waiting game just feels like it's been what we've been living through for years. And, uh, and, and I'm sure that the the people on the Adobe side are kind of just like, you know, again, they have their own incentive structures. They're probably not supposed to talk. They're probably told by somebody, Hey, listen, you know, we don't know. We don't know what's final. Don't, you know, don't talk about it. Right. I'm sure that's I'm sure yeah. they're not trying to frustrate people. It's probably just like there's a meeting and it's like, hey, let's, you know, let's wait until we make a firm decision before we let this out. And of course, those decisions take longer than expected. And, you know, it's just all regular stuff, I assume. But the net. Yeah. The, so the net result is that like it's just a stagnation. And and yeah, like let's get some people that are ready to get some stuff done to just power power through you know yeah. that's the, the the typo three guys mentioned um that their framework like there was like their every framework goes through ups and downs positive and negatives people being happy people being pissed um and they mentioned that there was a period of time where their community was upset at them for i can't remember precisely the reason uh but they got out of it the way they kind of got out of it was basically by defining a roadmap so they said, we're not going to give you guys what's coming in every feature or what's coming in every release. We can't know. There's so many There's so many possible features that could come that could take too long um, that we might not know how to do now. Maybe they're easy. Maybe they're hard. We have no idea. But we can give you guys a release timeline. And we can say, okay, we're going to commit to uh, this level of stability for this long. We're going to commit to open source stability for three years, and then you can pay us if you want, uh, you know, patches for four more years after that, mm -hmm. right? And he said, by doing that, we alleviated a tremendous amount of the concern in our community that we're going to be leaving you guys hanging at any point in time, and then it's your own problem to deal with it. Um, and But that none of that has to say, hey, this new feature for bundle products is coming out next Thursday. There, there's nothing in there that says like what feature when. It's just simply giving you guys, giving developers the ability to know and plan appropriately. Mm -hmm. And we have nothing like that. We we know, hey, we're gonna get two dot four dot five, but that doesn't mean breaking changes or not. I have no idea. Like the interview, I had a conversation with uh, someone from Adobe last week about this. I'm not going to name any names, but basically kind of came to the conclusion that the current versioning schema of Magento is stupid because you have like the internal package versioning schema of like 100.0.0 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you have like the marketing version of 2.4.5 mm -hmm. and you or 2.4.3, 2.4.4. A developer has no idea if there's any breaking changes between 2.4.4, 2.4.3 or 2.4.4. Mm -hmm. There's no concept. We have no clue. Yeah. There could be a bunch of breaking changes or none. We have no idea and, if there's anything between 2.4.4 and 2.4.5. Yeah. 
And and what you just said is kind of a perfect microcosm for this whole thing, which is that you had this conversation with somebody from Adobe, not going to name any names because that's sort of how this goes. It's like, you know, somebody on the inside and you kind of, you know, you, you talk to them about something and then they confirm, you know, that they agree with like, that's exactly how it should not be happening. Right. <laughs> this stuff should, yeah, that, this stuff that, should that conversation. all, like this stuff should all be on GitHub where people are discussing yes. all these things in the open and people on the Adobe side, people on the core team, right. Should be like having these. Yeah, I agree with you. You're right. This is bad. This is wrong. And just like getting stuff done, moving things forward, things, you know, doing architecture out in the open. Um, I just thought it was funny. It was just a perfect little microcosm for it. It is. It is because, I mean, so there's so many little aspects that you can address with that singular statement. Um, and it's funny to me that maybe like the, the problem can be solved so trivially by enabling GitHub discussions. Okay just enable discussions on GitHub for the Magento repo. And by doing so, you're opening a floodgate to public discourse that's not in GitHub issues. I'm not sure right? I'm familiar with the discussions feature. Is that, is that, um, is that relatively new? It's, it's, uh, I think it's within the past two years. Oh, okay. um, but basically it's just a, it's basically a forum on GitHub hmm. for that particular repo where people can ask questions, they can be categorized and closed and archived. Um, but the important thing is one of the things that I find as a negative to Slack and the fact that there's the Magento community Slack exists is that it's not searchable. Right. So first of all, not, not only is it not searchable from like Google, I can't like go type in a query into Google and get answers. Right. Um, and as a result, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge lost right. in Slack. Totally. Um, and not only is it not searchable, but also the Slack instance that Magento uses is not paid. Right. So you only get like 10,000 messages, which means every like week and a half. Right. It's all you gone. You can't find anything you've ever written before. <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's its own problem. Uh, but we have, there's no avenue for these kinds of discussions. Um, periodically, you'll have some Twitter flame where someone will get real mad because a PR hasn't review, been reviewed. Right. But there's no avenue for like, Maybe this is maybe the perfect point. I have not seen a GitHub issue describing, dear Adobe, we really hate the current PR process. How can we improve it? Right. Because GitHub issues is not the right it's not the right place. Right. Right. That's a, yeah. That's a good point. And while we can have that in Slack, who's not everyone's going to see it. It's not searchable, so after the fact, you're not going to be able to determine who made the decision and how it was come to. Yep. And likely what's going to end up happening anyway is that the Adobe team is going to take that conversation, take it internally, and then they'll give you a response a couple weeks later, and then you're stuck with whatever you right. get back. Now, what about the Magento forums? Um, is that the kind of thing <laughs> that could could happen on the forums in theory? I don't. Do you, you have to log into your like Magento account to use the forums, it's right? Little, yeah, it's a little... It's a little. Uh, yeah, I'm not not gonna do no, that. I, yeah, no, I know, I know, I get it. I think, I think that. Um, like, I think, I think the forums are. The forums are a separate, a separate world. Some people, I think, are are you know using them frequently and getting some value, but um, you know, others are probably not quite as much. That that seems like the kind of thing the GitHub discussions that could be, you know, a good place for those types of things to be discussed. Um. Yeah, I would. I as I said, maybe it's like the simplest answer, 
uh, and maybe I am glossing over it too much, uh, but I think that would be a nice first step to open some engagement right. and not have my issues closed after 90 days of no activity, right. Right? right? Provide an avenue for broader discussions about topics that don't necessarily pertain to a precise line of code. Right. Where, you know, we, we feel like we have some operational opportunities in the community to be, to be heard. And that's, I mean, at the end of my, at the end of my article, I say, you know, I hope you take this as an opportunity where we are desperately trying to help you. All that we ask is that you listen. Right. Um, and that's, I think the problem that we, we've never been heard. Right. right. The, the, the association isn't our voice. We're being talked down to, not necessarily in a derogatory sense, but we're being spoken to not being listened to right right spoken at's probably more correct right and i i i yeah i just i feel bad i haven't been more involved in the association i i, I know that i believe that they will put out questions and, and get feedback or surveys and things like that so um i don't know i don't know if they i you know I think surveys are a mistake. Like I, they need to be, if it were me, I would be doing exactly what we're doing right now. We decided to chat. We did a, we did whatever this is and we're talking, right? Yep. They're not going door to door. They're not banging on doors and saying, Hey devs in, in mage chat or Hey devs in this discord community, let's talk. Right. 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 Let's, let's have a conversation or Hey devs who happen to be in this, I don't know, Brazilian, Discord. I don't know. Just picking something arbitrary. Uh, let's talk. Yeah. There's there's nothing like that. There's no there's no door to door. There's, hey, we're gonna send an email. Please click on some stuff, right. and it's very impersonal, right. uh, and no one gets listened to. The questions are you're you're forced to answer their questions. You don't get to raise your own questions. Right. Um, right. The format's not right. Like it, it's, this is what I, I I mentioned in my article. No taxation without representation. What we need. And I don't like I don't like the idea of a democratically elected governing body. We don't need Congress for Magento, <laughs> um, but what we do need is representation of the people that the community members think are appropriate. Like, obviously, the guy the guy Sava from Atwix is a good fit, right? He fits well. Right. Um, but as I said, I don't I I don't know the rest of them. I don't know who they are. Yeah, I think there was someone from Snowdog on there, right? I think they have like the alpaca. Theme. I think so. Probably Cuba. I, I would. I, th I want to say. Um, um, yeah. Who? Yeah. I mean, again, also great dude. Built out a great team. Has contributed a ton. A um, lot of events organization. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where everything goes. Um, I, I, I've been a horrible Magento community member. I've been a little out of the loop, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I think I've gotten energized by this, I think in, in a similar way that a lot of people have, like, you know, um, people, we, we want to see the Magento community thrive. You know, we just do, you know? Um, so I, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where the song goes. Yeah, I've I've spent the past seven years of my existence um, co contributing, you know, not necessarily just in code, but because uh, really early on I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I've put I've been part of conversations. I have contributed PRs. I've contributed GitHub issues. I triage tons of things in Slack. Um, and I would feel awful if all of this effort is just lost for no reason other than operational negligence. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it would be, it would be sad. And yeah. Willem, so Willem started off, I, I don't want to drag this on too much longer, but um, Willem started off by saying, you know, he gets, he got into Magento as a student. And he built his first web shop in Magento for 1500 euro. Yep. The question you might have to ask yourself is, if a merchant comes to you and says, I have 1500 euro, would you build them anything in Magento? No, not today, probably. Right. Not a chance. Because I can pick Shopify, or I can pick BigCommerce, right. or I can pick any other software as a service platform that's going to serve that particular merchant's need precisely. Right. And it will make it much easier for them day to day. And that's that's that was a decision made by Magento, maybe even while eBay still owned them, to not go the software as a service route, to not build out a software as a service style of Magento for small merchants. Um, and as a result, we are now, several years later, seeing the ramifications of that decision. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they tried with Magento Go, but just kind of didn't didn't quite pull it off you know i think it was a different it was it was a a little outside of their wheelhouse you know i don't even know what magento go is oh. that's maybe maybe that's either your age or my naivete yeah i'm not sure yeah that was like a SaaS version of magento back in gosh that was a while ago um did it work no no it didn't didn't quite work <laughs> i'll i'll shoot you a link to it <laughs> i'll shoot you a link um okay but yeah suffice to say that uh it didn't magenta didn't quite make the leap to SaaS uh for probably a variety of reasons but um very good damien uh well i should run here in a minute but any anything else we want to cover here anything you want to shout out before we wrap it up mm -hmm. daffodil use it uh we get to deflect i mean obviously we get to deflect all of this magento nonsense um so i'll always say that uh daffodil's great i've enjoyed using it i've enjoyed writing it um maybe one day it will have its day in take the limelight. take over the world uh yeah oh yeah for sure i'm hoping um yeah, we have some new stuff coming up. Uh, we've done a, a number of really cool features, but nothing that's particularly noteworthy. A lot of the past year and a half of dev work has been building feature parity, right? So getting back, because you know, whenever you start a green lawn thing, you have to get back to parity. Yep. And then and only then can you start to innovate. Uh, and we've spent the past, I don't know, two or three years of dev work getting back to parity uh, with what kind of people experience with Magento. So a lot of it's been nitty gritty, seo related things mm -hmm. a lot of it's been making sure stuff works um so nothing terribly novel of late uh, but there's going to be some cool stuff coming up in the future nice man of course daffodil is the angular front end um pwa and um i think it's dude i yeah. think it's neat man that you just really enjoy working with it you're you know you're plugging away and haven't gotten tired of working on it and doing you know all the difficult day-to-day -day stuff feature parity and stuff and are still, you know, 
having fun with it, man. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's kind of all that matters, you know, that you're enjoying your work, you know? So, yeah, you gotta, gotta grind a little bit. Um, like there's a, I think, a PWAs suffer in general from people saying, Hey, there's this new thing called PWAs, come buy it. And then they get the PWA and they're like, Hey, this has got like one seventh of the features that I had before I had the PWA. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of trying to just calm myself and say, Hey, just because they have a feature or just because they're promoting and putting tons of money into marketing doesn't mean that you should, yeah. right? It's not necessarily the best thing to do. I'm not pointing fingers at you storefront, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> this episode is brought to you but, by the storefront. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah. So it hit me up on Twitter, Damien at Damien Webdev, um, LinkedIn, Damien Ratzinger. You can find me. I post about all sorts of random shenanigans. And then finally, I will shout out because I did just recently publish my first research paper. Actually, two research papers. Really. Uh, on COVID-19. Yeah. No so I did some statistics. Way. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. So I did some stats work. I posted those on LinkedIn. Wow. Uh, if you search my name and you type in like COVID-19, Damien Ratzinger, you're not going to find like my health profile that said I had COVID-19. I didn't. Um, but you will find some interesting articles about uh, some research that I that I uh, did. Very interesting. So yeah. now was this, this like a peer-reviewed paper or... Yeah, it got peer reviewed and it's in a journal. No way. Actually, it's two two different journals. Yeah. So two different papers, two different journals. Which journals? I probably won't know them, but uh, Pathogens is an MDPI journal, and then Elsevier has a uh, another journal. Um, forgetting the name of it, um, but that was more the second. So the first one was kind of a bigger paper, mm -hmm. and the second one was a was an editorial based on the original paper. Mm -hmm. So the first one is basically like. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the research because this is Magento stuff. Um, <laughs> but the the basic premise is uh, you might ask yourself, why uh, is COVID-19 and the flu and various, you know, why are these kinds of viruses seasonal? Mm -hmm. Why do they get worse in the winter and better in the summer? Mm -hmm. And the postulation and the hypothesis is that uh, this is a result of the fact that pollens and mold spores and things actually compete with uh, flu and COVID-19 for binding sites in your lungs. So because during the summer, there's more pollen and more mold spores, there's greater competition. And then in the winter, there's less. Wow. So you'll get more sick in the, in the winter and less sick in the summer as a result of a, a natural interaction between mold spores and pollens and uh, that's crazy COVID-19 and the flu. And then subsequently to that, I did an editorial, um, which is describing the benefit because we were able to project a theoretical um, we were able to calculate the difference between the actual and theoretical of of COVID-19 cases as a result of wearing face masks in Chicago. And we were to actually, because uh, the researchers that we worked with were at Northwestern, they could actually get financial data from Northwestern hospitals in Chicago. So we were actually able to compute how much money, not just, we can, you can compute lives too, but I just wanted to give a kind of a business gauge, but how much money was actually saved by wearing face masks. Okay. Because we could actually, because we know the ma the day the mandate went into effect, mm -hmm. and we can actually see a sharp drop about two weeks later in cases. So I was able to actually calculate the total net money saved from wow. uh, wearing face masks. Unreal, dude. Chicago. You're a scientist. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, man. 
I think my commerce hero, uh, I think my commerce hero profile says people call me the professor. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, but, yeah. but um, I, I'm going to have to check that out and I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks everybody for tuning in and go ahead and hit us up if you have any questions, comments, cash or Bitcoin. <laughs> That's going to be my new closer. <laughs>